0: Evening everyone. In the matter of giving, we're to be hilarious. We're to be hilarious in the giving of our time. We're to be hilarious in the giving of our energies. We're to be hilarious in the giving of our affections for the things that would captivate us in our lives. We're to be hilarious in our whole lives for God. That's what this verse means. If you take it back to the original language The Greek in which it's written. We've already considered it together with Stephen. Each one must do as he has purposed in his heart. Not grudgingly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. The word for cheerful in the Greek is hilaros. From which our word hilarious comes. Now one caution here. The word hilarious has taken on the meaning of exceedingly amusing only since the 1920s. Before that it meant something else. And this is what I want you to remember in the matter of us being hilarious in our giving. Because it matches God, who is hilarious in the same way. It's the freedom of joyful, delightful giving for the benefit of others. The freedom of joyful, delightful giving for the benefit of others. That's our God. And he asks the same of us. Because he loves a cheerful giver. Because it's a reflection Of who he is himself. We don't do what is in our heart. As prompted by the spirit. Out of this matter of grudgingly or under compulsion. Grudgingly means to be pained. If it pains us. To give our time to the things of the Lord. It's not hilarious. If it pains us to give our money. To the things that are associated with the service of God's house. And we've got to check our hearts. If it pains us. To set our affections. On God. And on his son. And on the things of the spirit. And the things in his word. If it pains us to do that. We need to be before God. On our faces I suggest. And ask. For the renewal of a hard heart. One that will be hilarious. Like God's. In the matter of enjoying the freedom. Of joyful. Delighting. In giving for the benefit of others our lives because they are owned by God even unbelievers are owned by him but we in a special way are his we as those who are God's possession are to live like him our lives are to be given over to his things and in doing that then we will be given over to everybody else that's what we're after not under compulsion it's not a thing of obligation not at all For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, do we? That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, written to the church of God in Corinth, so that you through his poverty might become rich. We've considered what Paul had said to the church of God in Corinth about those in Macedonia who had given out of their poverty. And above and beyond that, they had given He was looking at their poverty and their hilarious giving in that setting they were giving. And then he moves on to the other end of the spectrum to which we've already been said we can't even trace it out. Because it's the one who has unimaginable riches and glory because of the very person that he is. The eternal God who has made everything. Just by virtue of who he is. And yet, as we thought, he empties himself. And this is the freedom of the joyful delighting of God. For the benefit of others. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's hilarious. That though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor. So that you through his poverty might become rich. I was thinking over this earlier. And the hymn came to mind, to God be the glory. Great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. Who yielded his life an atonement for sin. And opened the life gate that all may come in. What's our response to that? The chorus, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. And it's heard through his people today. You know, we're somewhere in the scale, on the scale in between I, I would suggest to you between the abject poverty of the Macedonians who gave over and above their means read about that earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 where between that and the unimaginable riches of Christ who left it all that the freedom of God in his joyful delighting in the benefit that it would bring to us might be known we sit somewhere in the middle of that in fact we sit in the top 10% of the world's population who own 90% of the wealth. The richest in the world, in monetary and wealth terms. We're back here, Luke 21. It says that he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. He saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. Truly I say to you the poor widow has put in more than all of them. It's hilarious. Here is the one who has been prepared to deny himself. All of the riches and the glory of heaven. And he comes to the lowest place. And here he is in his final week. When he will go to the most abject place of shame on the cross. The ultimate of humiliation. He will be prepared to descend to that place... And in the week in the run up to it, he sits and looks at the temple treasury. And Luke records it says that he looked up. Now you might think I'm stretching it a wee bit too far. But here's the loneliness of God. It's hilarious. This is the freedom of God. He's not bound by anything in this. This is the freedom of God to have joy. And to delight in that joy. Knowing the eternal benefit that will come. To those who are the recipients of his grace. That's our God. He came to that place and he looked up. To see what the poor widow had given in, And she wasn't poor. She wasn't. The Lord must have looked and said. There's a woman. Who knows that she's the richest person in this place. Because she has her God. As the absolute focus of her life. And everything she will give it all. Because she knows and relies on the promises of God. <clears throat> That's the richness of a life that God wants for all of us. And yet we can get caught up with all sorts of stuff and distractions. Are we disappointing God? You know, there was a time, and we've dipped into it a little already, there was a time when God was disappointed. You go to Malachi, in your own time, read chapter 1. And there God has a go at the priests. Who are in the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem, which has been rebuilt. The walls have been rebuilt. This is the couple of generations after the remnant has come back and put all that in place. And God says in the final book of our Old Testament. He says, I wish someone would shut the gates and stop you coming in. Because what you're bringing in terms of sacrifice... Is an affront. You're bringing the worst animals you can find out of your flock. And he begins in chapter 1. Saying the priests are culpable for this. And the people are too. Because the people bring it. Thinking it's worship. And the priests are tolerating it. Thinking it's acceptable. And he says I wish the gates were shut. So God looks at the quality. Of our devotion. Of our hilarious giving. and everything in our lives. He looks at the quality of it. But here. We move on to chapter 3 and he looks at the quantity too. Now this touches on everything that Stephen has already drawn us to. And it touches as well on the matter of the preparation of our worship in what we give to God. When as the people of God we have the privilege to come before him in worship. And to give the fruit of lips that confess the name of the Lord Jesus and extol the glories of our God. We can come and we're not to come with the poverty of something that we've scratched together or we're borrowing from somebody else. We're to come in the hilarious, cheerful giving mode that Paul says that's how you should be. And you come in the freedom that God affords you to be joyfully delighting in who God is for you. And you come with that. he comes here in chapter 3 and speaks about the quantity Will a man rob God? These are the words of God. Yet you are robbing me. But you say how have we robbed you? God answers in tithes and offerings. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouses. God was disappointed with the quantity. Of their offerings. It's already been said. Everything that we have from God. Is his. We have to have the view on this life. That what we have. In terms of time, energy, wealth and anything else you want to add on to that that you can think of yourselves. All that God has given us, in fact the breath that we're going to breathe for the next little while. All of that has been given to us by God and we're stewards of it. We're stewards. Back in 1 Chronicles 29, David said this, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? In such an hilarious way. For all things come from you and from your hand. We have given you. We're giving to God what is due to his name. How, have, how is it possible to rob God? By not giving that which God has given to us. In the way God would have us give it. Do you understand what I mean? God gives it to us. Everything that we have. So that we might give it. And use it. In the way that he would want it to be used. That changes our perspective and how we spend our time, our energies, our wealth. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The quality must be there and the quantity must be there. So this touches the matter of our affections too. I wonder if what we read in Nehemiah chapter 13 actually happens after what we read about in Malachi I think the chronology fits and I think Nehemiah comes back to a people who have been told by God through Malachi you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse look at the quality and the quantity of your lives and what you're bringing and Nehemiah comes after that I think because he's been away for a while from Jerusalem and he comes back and I think he says here something when he goes and he sees and read the couple of verses before it in verses 10 11 it says that he went to the temple and the Levites weren't to be found and they'd gone back to their fields why had they go gone back to the fields because there was no provision for them to be able to continue on with the service of the house of God so because the people hadn't done what they'd been encouraged to do the Levites had gone and the temple had effectively shut down so the gates had been shut reprimand Nehemiah said, so I reprimanded the officials and I said, why is the house of God forsaken? God had not forsaken it, the people had. All Judah then brought the tithe of the grain, wine and oil into the storehouses. Sometimes we have to say this and see it from God's word and hear it repeatedly to get it into our thick skulls. The type of freedom, the hilarious life of giving in all aspects that God calls us to. Somebody said when we gathered here that we've dealt with this topic a number of times. Yeah, because it's here and it's important because it just doesn't touch money. It touches everything of our lives. Romans 12, our bodies given as a living sacrifice. The Lord was speaking to his disciples one day. We read about this in Luke 16. Don't turn it up. And uh, he says to them, If you're faithful in a little, you'll be faithful in much. If you're unfaithful in a little, you'll be unfaithful in much. Listen to this, Luke 16, verse 12. And he says to his disciples, his followers, If you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you what is your own? I loved that verse when I read it a couple of weeks ago. In our daily Mm -hmm. readings. If you're not faithful in what is another's, how will you be given what is your own? If this life is a matter of stewardship, of doing with what God gives us, what He would do with it as faithful stewards, there is reward to be had for the faithfulness in that. Let's not shy away from this. The scriptures are full of it. The reward is to be had. Glory that uh, is given, that glorifies God as the hilarious giver in all of this, it's there. If we recognise that what we have been given is God's and we use it as God would. And are faithful in that. Then when the day comes we will be given what is our own. Now that to me is amazing. That speaks of eternity. I go to prepare a place for you the Lord says. It's for you. It'll be ours. It's a place by him. Not only that. It says that we will inherit the inheritance which is God himself. God will be ours it's hilarious isn't it let's see God's grace at work back to 2 Corinthians 8 verse 3 when he's speaking Paul about the giving of the Macedonians out of their poverty he says I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability they gave of their own accord Nehemiah had to come back with the word of God again and reprimand and encourage them and maybe tonight for some of us it's a reprimand and encouragement again from God But we read of the Macedonians, who it seems needed no encouragement. In fact, it seems as though Paul was trying to discourage them because of their poverty. They gave of their own accord. Why? Because they realised what little they had could be given for the benefit of others. Because that's what God would do with the very little that they had. David says the same thing. 1 Chronicles 29, when they've given the riches for the building of the temple in Solomon's day he says moreover in my delight in the house of my God the treasure I have of gold and silver I give to the house of my God over and above all that I have already provided that's the freedom of joyful delight in giving for the glory of God and for the benefit of others the blessing that would flow from God being installed in Zion resting place there God among his people in the place that God says, that will be my resting place, Mount Zion. The king on the throne that God had appointed and the people blessing the nations all around. That's the hilarious giving that God calls us to. David did it out of his affliction, as Psalm 132 tells us. Notice Paul's appeal and reminder to those in Corinth who were criticising him. For his claims to be an apostle. He says this about him and his companions and their experience. And there's a long list there in 2 Corinthians 6. But notice this. He says that we're sorrowful but we're always rejoicing. We're as poor as he was. Yet we're making many rich. As having nothing yet possessing all things. He knew that beyond this life he had a possession that would be his. That could never be removed. But for now his poverty, his having nothing, the sorrow, the experience of his life that was completely given to God was making many rich. That's the appeal to our attitude too. Now in this we need help. For not in hilarious giving mode. The mode that God loves. A life entirely devoted to him. Then we need to help one another. The reprimand might come. But the encouragement has to be there. This is taken a little out of its context. In Hebrews 3. In verse 13. But there. The writer of Hebrews encourages the people of God. To whom he is writing. He says you encourage one another day after day. And the sense of that is day after day after day after day. You keep doing this. And you encourage one another day after day. So that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What's that? Sin, in our experience, tells us, I need to have this, or else my life um, is going to struggle. If I don't have this person in my life, I'm, I'm going to have a struggle in my life. If I don't have this circumstance, it's a keeping of something to ourselves. Sin tells us we need this more than we need God himself. God says, I've given everything. I will be your possession. I will be your inheritance. It'll be hilarious. Be hilarious. In your giving. Finally, when we gather as the people of God in the presence of God to worship, this life that is lived in this hilarious way, in the freedom of the joy that comes as we delight in the giving that benefits others and gives glory to God, let's not forget that. As we live like that, it should overflow in the expression. Of our audible worship to God. When we're together in his presence. And because we're back. To remembering the source of it all. God himself. And our saviour. Back in Deuteronomy 26. God tells the people of Israel. About to go in to take the promised land. Land flowing with milk and honey. And all the richness that was going to become theirs. Moses says to them. When you go in there. And you take of the first of the crops of that land. You, you receive from God. What he has promised. He says, You take some of the first of all the produce of the ground. Put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to establish his name. <coughs> all week, take some of all that God gives us. And you put it in a basket and you go to the place and you give it to God. And I say one thing just in the matter of money. I meant to say a little earlier, just a little encouragement. review it review it as often as you like but annually might be good we're wealthy we can increase every year I'm convinced the amount that we give we can increase from 10 to 15 pounds that's only a very poor example multiply that by 100 Um, we can do that but also as our wealth increases year on year as it usually does and our life gets filled with the things that we feel we need and then realise we don't so therefore we're more comfortable also make a point of increasing the percentage of what it is that is our income for God might sound hilarious but that's the freedom no longer shackled thinking about ourselves first it's giving more and more and more and more to God leave that with you to consider But let's not forget that we come to the place out of the outflow of that sort of life and we give to God the glory because he is the one who has given everything to us.